Hi, I'm Carrie, a stroke survivor and member of Vine. And I'm Kezia, a stroke survivor and member of Vine as well. And today we are welcome. We're going to be welcome and introducing Vine's development director, <laughs> Tara Jude Longley. Before she joined Vine, though, uh, she had experienced many years also fundraising and raising awareness on Alzheimer's. So because it's June, we do want to share all of her experience and her um, information that she knows about Alzheimer's and how we connect that to brain injury. So welcome, Tara. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for highlighting Alzheimer's during Alzheimer's Awareness Month. It's important to be aware of it all year, but especially in the month of June. So it's a good time. It's a good time for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's good. Good we're doing some good work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So before we go into all of that really good information, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how was your experience? So I... um, I grew up in an unusual way. I grew up with a family that uh, owned senior care homes. So the first time I was in a nursing home environment, now what we would call skilled living, I was four. And my first job was, I was 14 years old and I was the ward clerk on a nurse's station in a senior care home that also uh, dealt with a wide range of residents, including those with Alzheimer's disease. So I was exposed to it very early. And by the time I was 18, I was assistant activities director. And then I went on with college and the rest of my life and said, I'm not going back to work in senior care. Everybody thought that's what I would do. And I said, no, but I have a passion for cognitive science. I still have a passion for cognitive science. And I'm a writer. And I've combined those things, which is part of what led me to nonprofit and also Alzheimer's and eventually to BIND. Awesome. That's great to hear. Learned something new about you. So we just were kind of for our listeners to make sure that we're saying it hopefully correctly. According to the National Institute of Health, Alzheimer's disease is described as a brain disorder that slowly destroys memory and thinking skills and eventually the the ability to carry out simple tasks. Um, Can you explain on that based on your experience? Do we miss anything important? I I think that's a really good overview. Uh, What what people don't understand sometimes is what's actually happening in the brain. I am not a clinician, but what we know is that neurons that are uh, individual neurons or neurons in a network in the brain is what makes our um, cognitive and functional skills happen. So when there's damage to neurons or neurons die or the network dies, we start to lose brain function. And one of the things I got to do at Alzheimer's Association, one of my roles was community awareness and education. That was with um, every single range of person out there from corporate executives to caregivers, but also to children. And I had the opportunity to work with a fifth grade school in Plano because they wanted to understand it because their teacher was being impacted. It was her mom who was diagnosed, and there were a lot of questions from the kids. So we went in, and what we did is we took, we talked about Jenga as a puzzle, and we talked about how the brain and neurons affect different um, cognitive and memory skills. So what we did is we each took a block, and we wrote a piece of information on it. This is my address. This is my dog's name. This is my favorite car. This is how I get out of homework. So they wrote that. And so what we did is we put the puzzle together. And the things that were the very basic things, like this is how I walk across the floor, and this is how I eat food, those were at the bottom. And then the stuff at the very top, the least 
kind of impactful was how I get out of homework. And so what we did is we took a block out. And when we took a block out, we talked about that being neurons that were being impacted by Alzheimer's disease, which is a, um, we don't have time to go into it the way that disease actually affects the brain. But it's, um, it's the death of the neurons or the death of the network. So when we took a block out, that piece of information was gone. And I said, what do you think is happening to the person when that block is gone? And the student said, well, can you put in a new block and write a new piece of information on it? And the answer is no. Once it's gone, it's gone. Can you pull it halfway out? And it's kind of there and it's kind of not, absolutely, because that's kind of what keeps Jenga balanced. And so what we did is we pulled out pieces of information. Some of it was, this is my address. Well, if you don't have the piece of information of this is my address and this is where I live, then it makes sense that if you're walking or you're driving, you don't know how to get home because the piece of information about how where home is doesn't exist anymore. It's actually gone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes adults will um, get frustrated with patients that have Alzheimer's disease because they will say, you know this, you should know this, you knew this last week. I'm going to write it on a sign and put it on the mirror for you to remember. What's happening is it's kind of like, it's kind of like a house. So if you imagine a house, two-story, three-story house, and every room has a light in it. You walk in, you flip the light switch on. Have you ever walked in a room and the light bulb is flickering? Mm, And you think, oh, it's about to go out. And then it comes back on, and it stays on for a week. And you think, okay, I don't have to get the ladder and change the bulb. It's fine. Then it flickers again. And then eventually, it's gone. So what happens with neurons in the brain as they're being affected by Alzheimer's disease is that those light bulbs, those networks, those neurons that are driving cognition and memory and eventually physical function are flickering because they're dying, because they're being destroyed by the disease, and eventually the light goes out. So one of the things that people don't understand is that um, Alzheimer's is always fatal, It may not be the actual only cause of death, Mm -hmm. but there is no cure for it. And eventually it will be fatal because one by one, each room, the lights are going to go out. And at the very end, the lights that go out are the lights, the neurons in our brain that tells our heart to beat, Mm -hmm. tells us how to swallow, tells our lungs how to breathe. Yeah. So if you think about it that way, it's a little bit easier than trying to understand why somebody remembers something today but mm-hmm. they didn't remember it last week, and then they remember it next Tuesday, and then they never remember it again. Sure. And it's that's like flickering. That's something that I, I guess I never heard. I like the way you said that, but it, it's also making me think about with the brain injury, we have a way to rewire well, after we've had a traumatic brain injury or stroke. You know, there are ways to rewire your brain, but it sounds like with Alzheimer's, that, that ability is also gone, that you can't take the neuroplasticity the same way that you focus on a brain injury to provide it to an Alzheimer's patient, that you can regain that cognitive functioning of what my address is. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Wow, I did not know that. What we can do with Alzheimer's patients, though, which is amazing, the neuroplasticity that we have working with those with brain injuries is a lesson for us in working with Alzheimer's patients. And part of that is... Everything that affects the body, we know this with working with brain injury, the brain is not isolated in any way. Every single thing that affects the body affects the brain. So anything we can do to strengthen the body 
is going to strengthen the defense of the brain against the disease as much as possible. And researchers across the world have combined, um, actually this is one of the first diseases we've ever done this with in real lifetime with real time data, so that somebody in England is studying the disease and a way to stop it, a way to reverse it, and somebody in Puerto Rico is doing it, somebody in Iceland is doing it, and instead of waiting for a, a study to be published in a journal and a year later, people are reading it, they're actually exchanging data online in real time so that it's happening, the information's happening faster and faster, and that's one of the things that Alzheimer's Association has funded. But we do know that what affects the body affects the brain. So things that can help with living your best life with Alzheimer's disease. And when I started working in Alzheimer's, it was 2012. Okay. And we talked about Alzheimer's being a fatal disease. Since then, what we talk about is we live with Alzheimer's disease and we live the best life that we can for as long as we can. So things that affect the brain, blood pressure, those who are, uh, have diabetes, managing diabetes. The things that have the most impact are exercise, that you don't have to go work out on the treadmill every day, but getting the body moving. Right. Um, diet, and it's not a specific diet. There's so many things out there that say this diet or this pill or this you know, powder or this spice or whatever. You can look at in National Institutes of Health and the um, Institutes for Aging and see what the most recent research is, and ALZ.org forward slash research will do the same thing. But it's basically a healthy diet, keeping your blood pressure down, keeping diabetes in check, keeping your cholesterol in check. Another thing that helps, and we've also found this with, with our work together mm-hmm. in, uh, in addressing brain injury, is socialization. Because what happens when we're able to be with others and interact with others, mm-hmm. especially people we've only just met, is the brain is very active. We're learning yeah. about this person, and we're learning things we didn't know before. We're, we're communicating back and forth. One of the things that is similar with Alzheimer's disease and, unfortunately, brain injury is we become isolated. Our family doesn't know how to work with us. Our friends step away because of fear. Yeah. Or misunderstanding. 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 I'm just that word. I know. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So sleep is also extremely important. And one of the things that happens um, when we sleep is that all our body resets itself. Again, I'm not a clinician, but there are levels in the brain mm-hmm. of acetylcholine that helps restore the brain's function. And without sleep, it's like sure. it depletes it. Yeah. And there are actually sleep medications that stop the renewal of acetylcholine mm-hmm. too. So things to things to look at, but that those things that help us keep our body healthy and our brain healthy with brain injury can also strengthen um, Alzheimer's disease. And then the other thing that we we talked about, and and I know you guys mentioned, was how does Alzheimer's disease affect those who have brain injury? Yeah, that's something really important. It is, and it's kind of scary. So it is a disease. It is a disease in the brain that we're not able to manage or stop. So anything that affects the blood-brain barrier is going to affect the brain's ability to to stop a disease or to slow down a disease. So that's a little bit high risk. Yeah, I right now that you just mentioned that, I think that's so important. Like you've been sharing so much really good knowledge right now. I'm like learning so many great things, and I hope that all of our subscribers are as well. I am going to take a little quick pause and remind all of our followers to make sure to continue looking for us every Thursday. Uh, we have an episode every Thursday, so you can just check us out. Make sure to like us on 
all of your social platforms, especially the, on YouTube. You can subscribe to us, listen to us, watch us, and make sure to write to comment as well. So, like I said, your information is just so, it's really good. Like, a lot of things that I didn't know about, I really liked how you shared the information as if we were, well, you did to kids, right, to fifth mm -hmm. graders, but it makes it so much easier to understand and know when it's, like, understandable. So I had never had heard it that way, and it's been so good. And same with, like, the information that you're doing right now for tips and how it connects to brain injury. I did have a question, though, like, and I did hear from you when you were saying it, when you were describing, like, who you are and how you got so involved. But let's take a couple steps back. How did you get so involved? And in, like, you were interested in it because of your age, but... Like, did you go into school for brain injury or, like, um, like neurons? And, like, did you do this, like, for school? How did you get so involved and so knowledgeable? I mean, yes, you do read this a lot. But, like, how did you get so involved and, and then become part of within the community for Alzheimer's? I am a, I'm a cognitive science nerd. Okay. I will read every single <laughs> – I think I had a – I had subscriptions to medical journals on brain function when I was in, you know, my 20s. I have a degree in, uh, I have a degree in psychology with a focus on trauma impact on the brain. At the time, it was actually emotional trauma, but it led to a passion for, for physical trauma as well. And then Alzheimer's is a disease that impacts the brain. So that's always been a passion of mine. And I have a degree in psychology, and I also have a degree in English as a writer. And so I thought... This is what I want to do with my life is find something I care about to write about. And that is um, that has been was Alzheimer's Association's work in the community and also eventually find. But yeah. Okay. So I know you had a, you've done a lot of different things with the Alzheimer's community. Um, you've also helped a lot of fundraising for them. What's what's it like different working with the Alzheimer's community versus the brain injury community, or I guess, is it all the same? It is. Basically? It is all the same because it's all people. And a lot of th people think fundraising is scary and you're just saying, hey, give me money. But it's, it's about connecting with each person individually, if I can. If we can, because it's not just me, my role is a bind to lead this work. And my role in the Alzheimer's Association was to help lead the work and help craft the approach to it. So um, the belief, my belief as a, as a fundraiser and as a community engagement leader is every single person we encounter has the possibility of a connection to the disease or to brain injury or to to puppies, whatever it is that we're <laughs> we're looking at and raising money for, and and my job as a development director and with the team is to uh, to identify how that person wants to be involved in the work. If it's something, if they want to give five dollars, because five dollars is what they have to give, then we honor that because mm -hmm. they're contributing to something that they care about. How much it is doesn't matter sure. if what they can do is volunteer to help unstack boxes when we're doing auction or they want to come and help out at the clubhouse you know for when we're at bind or they want to come and be a part of walked in alzheimer's for the alzheimer's association it's honoring their connection and finding a way to, to to celebrate that and give them the opportunity to do that for some people it's fundraising for many it's volunteerism but what we find with fundraising is that when we have people that volunteer, 80% of volunteers are mm -hmm. also uh, donors. 
So I walked into Alzheimer's, and during um, during June, the longest day, June 21st, is the second largest fundraiser that Alzheimer's Association has. <laughs> it's another way to, to take a positive look towards and be together with friends and colleagues and family to say we're going to fight this and we're going to do it together. Yeah, and I think it's great, especially like, so like you mentioned, and it's been a couple times now about June being the month um, for Alzheimer's, like what are some things that are really important to be talking about in June for more awareness for people? I think like within stroke awareness, we talk about the signs. Is that something that's also extremely important to be shared for um, for our listeners or people that have family members that are being affected by it? Like is it the warnings of Alzheimer's? Is that like the best thing to be like raising awareness about? I think that's I think that's a really big one. I think yeah. the signs of Alzheimer's disease. Educate yourself, even just a twenty minute education of the high level of what it is versus the mythology. There's a lot of mythology out there about what it is. We used to think it was normal. Oh, it's normal aging, but that's not that is not absolutely not true. Right. And See, that's what I was thinking. Like when so when do you go from oh that's just mom being a mom again forgetting where she put her eyeglasses, you know, to, I think mom's got a real problem. I mean, that's, I think, kind of, like, how do you figure that out? I mean, I guess there's tools and stuff out there to let us know that. But There are, co- there are cognitive scales that uh, even a general practitioner can can do, but it's, it's getting somebody either or yourself to be able to go to that physician and say, I think I have something we need to take a look at. So what people used to ask me is, oh my gosh, do I have Alzheimer's because I can't remember where I left my keys. Or for me, my phone is red because I, I always misplace my phone. If you cannot remember where you left your keys, that is not Alzheimer's. If you pick up a key and you look at it and you don't know what it is or what it does, that's a problem. Okay. We also talk a lot about um, loss of problem solving and loss of being able to complete tasks that one normally would complete. And an example of that is somebody that was really good at balancing their checkbook and always did it every month, all of a sudden is in the middle of it and stops and does not have an idea how to continue because those neurons are being affected. That's a problem. We're seeing something happening in the brain that's interrupting something that's normal. Um, so, so it's, it's really a change in function that is affecting daily life is the most okay. important thing. So there is still some of this that, Nora, I'm getting older and I can't remember I, mm-hmm. what I walked into the kitchen for kind of <laughs> jokes, but then there, we've got to really pay attention individually, just like you do brain injury. Everyone's individually different to see more those warning signs may be a little bit harder to pick out, but absolutely. Okay. Okay, great. And I think we had one more just question about Alzheimer's. Um, did were people? Is there a difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? That's something that like was just curious that's, about. That's a good question. That's a yes. question that I would get all the time. So if you think of dementia as an umbrella, underneath that umbrella, dementia is um, is a sort of a collection of of memory and functional impairment. It's not a disease in itself. Oh, okay. it's, an, it's an overall sort of arching umbrella. Underneath that, Alzheimer's disease is the largest piece. It's the one that we see the most. It's probably, I think, 50 to 75%. The other things that we see underneath, underneath that are um, Lewy body. It has a pretty significant, I think it's like 25%. We see other forms of dementia that are being caused by other diseases, 
Huntington's disease, we can see dementia. Parkinson's disease, mm-hmm. we can see dementia. TBI, any other acquired brain injury, sometimes we'll see dementia. It's a result of what's going on with the brain in the body. It's not its own disease. But okay. far and away, uh, Alzheimer's is the most prevalent. Okay. And right now, it affects about 6 million people in the United States. Wow. Uh, we know that about one in six women will be affected by the disease as they age, and about one in 10 men. And we talk about that a lot as Americans. This is in the US, you see the stats. This is a worldwide problem with consistent representation across countries across the globe. This is not a US problem. Right. And is it, with you saying that, does it, I'm gonna say this wrong, I'm trying to, um, does it affect a certain population more than other, like? people of color or, you know, just men versus women, does it distinguish? Does we, it make sense what I'm trying to ask? I'm not good, asking it's it hard, I know. It's kind of hard to, to parse it down. We see it more in women than we do men, but that could be impacted because of aging. It could be impacted because diseases are typically tested and medications and treatment is tested more on males than it is females. We yeah. see women uh, aging longer than men, so we know that this progresses with age. With uh, with uh, We have a little bit of a difference, and I don't have the current stats in front of me, but we know that it affects uh, the Hispanic community a little bit differently, and it affects the African-American community a little bit differently. And part of that is, remember we talked about body affects the brain, those diseases that disproportionately affect African-Americans or the Latino community have an impact also on Alzheimer's. So if your risk factors are higher, then the possibility of you getting it is is higher. Again, it's how you manage how you manage your own risk factors that is the that is the key. Sure. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much. Honestly, you've been sharing so many so many great data and also just letting us know we need to live like <laughs> really good like on our best behavior, not best behavior, but our best like um like how we practice our own life, right? Like walk, talk, like eat healthy and do all of these things. So thank you so much about that. And thank you, honestly, Tara, so much for joining us on this special month of June and giving us all the information that you gave us. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm honored to be here. Great. So if you would like to contact us, uh, make sure to listen to us on Thursdays. And you can also contact us and email us at bindways at thebind.org. Follow us on Instagram. And just make sure to visit also our website at thebind.org. And as Cassie mentioned earlier, don't forget to click that like button, that share button, that subscribe button, and go ahead and share it with all your friends and watch out, watch for us for next time. Until next Until time. Until next time.